I knew he'd amount to nothing. Neighbors like he was the quiet type. Who would have thought they was fronting? Talking loud like you on RCA. Get carted away with body parts and trays. What a way to start your day, yo. It's like, one, two, three, most effantile lib quality. We came to rock it to the tip top, best alliance in hip hop, yo. There's a new Black Star album coming out, everybody. <laughs> Susan's mystified. Susan doesn't know this. this no. Oh, I don't know this either, yeah. This All right, Black Star, self-titled album. Collaboration between Most Def and Talib Kweli in 1998. This record's turning 20 this year. Wow. And it's perfect. It's perfect. Listen to this album. You'll it'll It's the it is the best thing that Most Def has ever been involved in and I'm counting his performance as Ford in Shit, Hitchhiker's dude. Guide to the Galaxy. All right then. It, it's better than his performance. Because I was going to hit you with that. I was going to be like, oh, but wait, <laughs> sir. I was going to say the Italian job, but yeah, that's a better oh, reference. Oh, God. The Italian job. I've never, wait, wait, wait. I've never seen the Italian job. It's fine. It's fine. It's Have not you seen it's, the original? It's a, it's a car chase heist movie, and like the guy from Napster's in it inexplicably. <laughs> yeah, the guy who the made Napster. The original's really good. Okay. What was it? Uh, what's his face? The, the, the kid from... Uh, Austin Powers, the son. What's his Seth Green? Seth Green. Um, he the plays kid a, from Austin yeah, Powers. He plays That's a, what he's he, remembered for. He's the nerdy hacker of the group, and the whole movie he's complaining about how uh, what's oh. his face Sean Fanning stole his idea for Napster. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> and he has a cameo in the movie. That's, That's actually weird. Uh, cute. That's very of a time. <laughs> Everything that you just said. Yeah. Seth Seth Green and Napster in the same Seth, sentence. Seth Green logged into his MySpace profile. Logged and, into his uh, MySpace. <laughs> Dateline 2006. We were all wearing our parachute pants when? Uh, and then Seth Green has the frosted tips. Yes. Right on top. Right on top. Wait. Are you confusing him with somebody else? No. Because Seth Green had so he has the frosted tips in Can't Hardly Wait. Forgive me. Oh, that's yes. actually true. Yeah. We okay. Gotta, we gotta go back. And yeah. 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 In that okay. case, it wasn't the parachute pants. It was the cargo pants. Yeah. Everything that was just said out loud is how you know this is the continue. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Every, yeah. every word said from the moment this started to then. Uh, is how you know you're listening to continue. My name is Anthony John Agnello, and with me, as always, are my lovely, lovely co-hosts, Susan Arndt. What, what? And Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I like, honestly, that is, that is your name. It's not even a title anymore. No. To me. Yeah. Like, when I think of you, Dave, it's just Staff Roberts. That'll be my you. stage name, Staff Roberts. Staff Roberts. Staff Roberts. See, I th if it's not Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts, then it sounds like some kind of infection. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. It'll be I pronounced Staff, staff but I'll, I'll pronounce it Stafe, like Ray yeah, Fonz. Like, <laughs> it's Ralph. It's Don't even Ralph. trick me. I know. It's Ralph, buddy. It's like, I understand Ralph is a shitty name, but it's your deal name. Deal with it. Deal with And plus, I don't think anyone who was in the Avengers movie in 1998 okay, should be I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. Because <laughs> while that movie is complete shit. Right. Yeah. It, it, it comes really close. 
It's great casting. It's, it's well, it's, no, Uma Thurman as Emma Peel is horrible casting. Oh, you honestly think so? I loved her as Emma Peel. Her British accent is excrement. I'm thinking with my 16-year-old groin in okay, 1998. Well, that's what I'm doing. Forgive I me. I mean, yeah, great. She looked great in the outfits, but she was... T- no, that was not a good part for her. But it embodied the soul of the show. Yes. Very well. It came yeah. from a place of love. It did come... It, it seemed disrespectful. <laughs> it, it, didn't, it didn't sound as disrespectful as it should have been. <laughs> right. Right. They should actually... They should try again. They should, they should make that movie again. Except now they can't because of the superheroes. Yeah, that's a bummer. That's, that's, right, that's make it a BBC a TV show. It'll be fine. Like, the, the yeah. audience will find it, and, you know, no, yeah, there will be works. no confusion, because the people who know what it is will watch it, and the people who don't, well... It's a good point, yeah. And you <laughs> cast Idris Elba as John Steed, and it will be oh. the most amazing motherfucking yeah. thing ever. Yes. Yeah, I'd watch yes. that. Yes! Yeah. I would absolutely watch the shit out of it, Idris Elba. Idris Elba in anything. True. If they Except remake The, Dark the Tower. Prisoner again... <laughs> I'll do that as well. I Except can't. for what, Dave? The Dark, the Dark Tower. Tower. Oh, that didn't happen. <laughs> that was all just a bad dream. So, so, did either of you see The Dark Tower? I know we talked about The Dark Tower in the podcast before. Yeah. There's a scene in The Dark Tower where... I, I will say at least like half the time Matthew McConaughey seemed like he was having a good time. Because he had this attitude about him like, Fuck it, I might as well work. I'm getting paid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And he he is in a normal human being's apartment, and okay. he is this strange, evil magic man. Okay. And the this normal couple living in New York comes home and finds him just, like, cooking a, a burger on their stove. And he's like, hey, what's going on? How are you? And they're terrified, and they just start getting strangled to death because he's murdering them. Okay. Psychically. And, it, it, like, it would be... Like if Darth Vader was yeah. super casual and a dick about everything, right. as opposed to just—he's like cooking a burger, you know, force yeah. choking him. Yeah, I get it. Like, I, I—it's almost worth that terrible movie existing just for that scene because McConaughey is delighting in being sinister so very much. He's just like, "Sup? How you doing? I'm just gonna." I'm going to go film a Lincoln okay. commercial after this. Okay, somebody, like, the Lincoln commercials need to stop. They just, Ooh. they just do. All I right. don't believe him as an elegant man. Oh, I, oh, no, 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 no. I believe him as an elegant man. I do not believe him as a man who drives a fucking Lincoln. All right, here's how I'm going to make those Lincoln commercials awesome for you guys. Okay. I want you to imagine that they are not commercials, but a... <laughs> But a documentary shot in real time, <laughs> wherein Matthew McConaughey has taken to Ambien, <laughs> and then the people who, who make Chryslers have just put a Chrysler near him while he's on Ambien. And he just steals the car. Ca- <laughs> and they're just like, hey. That's it. They're like, let's see what we get out of him oh. this time. Yeah. That's... So okay. speaking of the Ambien, over and everything. Oh my god! Speaking of Ambien, Dave <laughs> Roberts has been playing Metal Gear Survive. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need like a full dummies guide to this. I don't. Even, I all. I just suddenly saw people talking about Metal Gear again. I'm like, oh fuck! I gotta pay attention to Metal Gear mm-hmm. again. I don't no, even know what really it is. Don't. Is it a pachinko okay. game? What is it? Okay. Yeah. So Kojima's gone. Right. They have this engine. We gotta use it. Okay. So they make a 
I wait. Correct me if I'm wrong. You can use it for things other than Metal Gear, can't right, you? So they, no, yeah, they have this engine, but they also have every single environmental asset right, that they the spent assets, six yeah. years developing. Right. Yeah. So okay. I mean, it, you can see the business logic where they're sure, trying to Final sure. Fantasy thirteen uh, two and Lightning returns this. Yeah. And and, and, and like the and you know I'm I'm not against the idea of reusing assets. I think it's an economical yeah. way of doing it. Like Yakuza yeah. does it all the time, and it's yeah, it's done really well. The thing is, is Metal Gear Survive? It is a single player survival game with some online four player co-op hooks in it it okay. when they pitch this game they're like it's you're gonna play online with four players and you're gonna go into this alternate world where there are zombies and you will survive again you'll pick up resources you'll craft stuff and you'll fend off zombies with your friends and like it's actually way more of a single player game than they made it out to be like there's this huge like 20 to 30 hour story that follows it takes place sort of in between ground zeros and the phantom pain it opens with uh the phrase a pseudo historical series of events stop it <laughs> stop it yeah which i saw so that and i know like, metal here yes uh, I saw uh, that. I was like, oh, Susan is just going to tell me to fuck off the moment I, I say this on the podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically, boss, he flies off in the helicopter as uh, Mother Base and Ground Zeroes gets overrun by XOF troops. And you are left there and, to basically fend off what, what you can as he's escaping. All of a sudden, a giant wormhole opens oh, yeah. up. Nobody can see that Susan is actually <laughs> falling asleep. No, I'm not. As Dave says these things. It's like I'm, hitting, actually, I'm hitting the pressure points on my face to avoid the oncoming migraine. Yeah. I'm I trying actually, to parse Metal Gear. This was so weird. We're, we're on video while we're recording the podcast, and I saw a log appear above <laughs> Susan's head with a saw going Just through it back through and forth. <laughs> Okay, so there's crazy. a wormhole. Yeah, wormhole opens up. You get sucked inside. You end up in hell, <laughs> which looks an awful like a lot, an awful lot like the Afghanistan map from Racist. the Phantom Pain. Okay, t- I have, wait. What platform is this on? PS4 and Xbox One and PC. Okay. 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 Yeah. So it's it's not like a mobile game. Okay. No, it is a straight <laughs> up. It is a. It is a. It is basically the Phantom Pain gameplay and mechanics with survival elements so you're in hell you're fighting off zombies you need to find resources uh you have to eat you have to drink water in order to survive if you don't you die so you'll run around and you'll find sheep and you can punch the sheep and knock it out and send it back to base and you can cook the sheep to make food um you can find water you start out you don't have a water purifier so you're drinking whatever clean water you can find or the dirty water in the lake which may give you like a stomach disease which will just cause you to throw up every like 30 seconds or so awesome Um, and yeah you're basically you're trying to rebuild your little husk of a base in this hell world uh find whatever survivors you can uh and make your way home um mechanically it's actually way cooler than i thought it would be as far as just the the fact that um like you know you're basically you're you're going out in this world 
you're finding stuff and there's like there's loot boxes and other stuff that you can find you pick up all these resources and you come back and you're like oh i can make a new vest or i can make a new hat i can make a new gun and uh you're trying to scrape together what little things that you can do to to make it off of make it out of hell uh, and there's enough of a story there it's kind of like dragon quest builders there's enough of a story there mm. to guide you to different quests on the map to move the story forward to so how does that get you story to engage. play out though like if you're in hell surrounded by silent hill monsters made of rocks wormholes Wormhole. <laughs> there's a there's a secret organization uh, called the Warden Cliffs Section, I believe is the name of it. It's uh, inspired by Nikola Tesla. Uh, they are investigating this mysterious energy called Kuban Energy that is the source of the zombie stuff. And there's all this shady government Metal Gear garbage. And this dude named Goodluck, who looks a lot like Lawrence Fishburne, wants you to, in your time in hell, to investigate what's going on, find more energy, and get home basically he's talking he's talking to you after you've gone to hell yeah through the wormhole when you have enough energy to to send transmissions back and forth and you find other people there too like there are other soldiers from uh this group called the charon Corps because charon like the the ferryman of the dead uh because metal gear um there are soldiers there and there's like a nurse that they're awful they're all awful <laughs> they all emote with the the seriousness of a textbook are they so they're not metal gear awful no because they're yeah like there just, is that's and that's the thing about this it is mechanically interesting there are weird parts to it but it's all just so stone-faced it's so boring so it's not delighting in the ridiculousness of the situation right there are ridiculous uh. parts to it so as you explore You've been this sucked through a wormhole to hell. Yes. It's ridiculous from the start, my friend. Yes. <laughs> ridiculous for Metal Gear. Yeah. It, it's just it's but it's like the the robots the entire time the, you, there's this uh, AI that is basically guiding you on your mission that is the center of your base and the entire time it talks to you it talks to you in this voice like oh this. God. You oh. need to investigate the dust where the zombies live. You cannot access your radar. You are running low on energy. You need to get water to refill your thirst meter if you do and it reminds you of this constantly uh. Uh, yeah and that's that's ultimately my take on this game is that it is for what it is it's a really interesting idea that it feels like it's being execu uh, executed by a team who is going through the motions so they don't lose their job yeah it's it's man. So you and I played. <laughs> I'm just here the beta. so I don't get fined. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you and I played the beta for maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. If that, and most of that was like scurrying around the weird lobby for the yeah. mul multiplayer mode. Yeah. Uh, and even then, you could feel. I, I I think my very first comment to you was, "This is still gorgeous. I love anything that is made with the skeleton." of what Metal Gear was made out of feels really good. Any Fox Engine game, whether it's yeah. Pro Evolution Soccer or, you know, Metal Gear 5, like, it just, it, it feel, feels very, very, very good. Uh, but there is nothing there. And honestly, even more than the fact that you, you, you're you describing this as a pretty soulless sort of experience, 
I mean, the fact that you just said it's 20 to 30 hours to play this story, what the hell are you doing for that long? That sounds excruciating. Yeah, and and the thing is, is that you see, like, little flashes of brilliance. Mm. Right. So you're like six hours in the game and the game, like the most of the story missions have been go to this location, find this computer, get data from it, come back so we can expand, you know, get this MacGuffin so we can send you to another location on the map to get another MacGuffin, et cetera, et cetera. And in the moment you're playing it, you're like, okay, there's this is building to something. Right. And then you get to a part in the dust, which is this, this giant wall of this fog that you go in and your radar doesn't work. So you can't, you, you need to set up your, like where you're going before you get in. Otherwise you're just, you're going to be lost because you, the, you can't bring up your map. You can't bring up your radar. Uh, you, you like, you'll be lost in this, in this fog where that's just filled with zombies and, uh, your oxygen tank depletes. Um, and as you, once you finish a mission in there, it's like kind of the, the end of the sort of the first act you're like, okay. And then the second you finish it, this giant fucking crystal monster shows up. Like it is hundreds of meters long and it just shows up and it's just like, Hey, I'm hanging out. You don't want to mess with me cause I'm going to eat your face. And it, it and it's like, <laughs> it, it looks creepy. <laughs> The light. Please tell me that's the exact quote. That's yes, that's exactly what he says. What I'm gonna eat your face. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> um, like the the and and it just he shows up and like as you're playing, he continues to just like show up randomly when you're like walking to a story mission and you just see like the sun blot out and this thumping and you're like oh shit and you look behind you and it's just off in the distant fog you see the outline of this fucking Cloverfield monster, right? And, like, the monsters look really creepy because they're designed by the Silent Hill 2 lead mm. art designer, Masahiro Ito. That'll do it. <laughs> yeah. But that happens once six hours in. He shows up every now and then. But, like, that's it. And it doesn't, se- it doesn't seem like there's a point. Like, it's just cool but then it doesn't deliver anything. Like if that, if you were talking about like a six-hour game total, yeah. like if if Survive was DLC, right, for Metal mm. Gear Five, yeah, and halfway through a crystal monster the size of the sky showed up, right, that's that that's like a really memorable incident. That's something to yeah, and sort of r- right now the plot of the game is to kill this monster because like the evil government bad guy wants to send it through the wormhole to send it into the real world because they can, the idea is that if they blow it up in the real world, they can harvest this energy, but sending it through is bad because reasons. Um, (laughs) So you're trying to find a weapon to defeat it. And like, I'm just, I'm going to go into spoilers here because like, I don't think either of you are going to play it. Yeah, we'll no set it up on attack. I am looking for the wrecked ruins of the Sahalanthropus, AKA the metal gear from the phantom pain, AKA. I think they're setting this up as the chapter 51. Oh <gasps> no. That's shitty. That like because like the thing is the Phantom Pain ends like you're like what happened yeah, to this yeah, Metal yeah, Gear? Yeah. It just flies off and you're like okay well that's a weird plot hole, and now oh. you find it in this like alternate hell world. Oh. Yeah, but that moment comes 15 hours in this game after I've been doing like just a bunch of MacGuffinies filler you know protect the wormhole bef- and fend off waves of monsters missions 
for like the past 10 hours and it's like and that's the thing that breaks my heart about this game the most is that there are little moments where you're just like oh oh that's a really cool idea i just wish the rest of it felt like there was any life in it hmm. mm, that's unfortunate and it sounds like there's 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 they had good ideas but either didn't have the time or didn't have the inspiration to package it in a way yeah. that would make well, it engaging. This game's been in development for three years. Yeah. Like this is, yeah, this isn't, this isn't. All right. Then maybe they just suck at their jobs. I don't I, know, man. I, I, I really, I don't know why it exists. That's even based on this description. I don't know who the audience for this game is. I don't know why it was made because it also doesn't seem like Susan, you didn't even know that it existed. It's true. Yeah. And it, you're not disengaged from the world of video games. No. Like, you are aware of what is coming out on a given week. You're part of the dialogue. You talk to Dave and I when there's some <laughs> dumb anime bullshit game coming out. Like, we, we host this show. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so... Konami isn't doing the bare minimum of marketing that you would need to do to make somebody who is hyper aware mm-hmm. of the video game industry to know it existed. So, I, I mean, uh, this this thing was not cheap to make. Who cares if you're reusing assets? Yeah, you have to. Yeah. You have to make it. You have to test it. It has to go through. Uh, it, this is a retail game too. Yeah, you have producers, you have voice actors, you have like someone's got to write the story, someone's got to put all the missions. Here's the thing: I really do wonder what the reception of this game would be like if none of the drama happened. If as if like Kojima just maybe he left Konami, or even if he was still there, and like Metal Gear Survive was just the next game they were making because. There are spin-off games in the Metal Gear series. Like their Metal true. Gear Acid, one could argue, is the height of cynical game development of that era because it's a card collecting strategy game in a time when every Japanese game was a card collecting strategy game. Granted that game Yeah, but it's good. Fe- feels like it has a soul yeah. and yeah, it's yeah. it's good. But one could argue that it's still the economy's just like, look. Make a make make Metal Gear a card game. Card games are hot right now. Metal Gear's hot right now. Do it. And but that they did it. That would not have been successful if it hadn't been a PSP launch game. Mm. And That's like true. that, that was a game for one of the most hotly anticipated pieces of hardware ever made. And it was one of like seven games that existed for it. Mm. And the second one, which was arguably a better game, tanked commercially yeah, true. and yeah, critically. That's true. So yeah. there's precedent for the fact that everybody would ignore this. Yeah. So uh, here, here's here's the vibe I get from this. So you know how like an actor will have, you know, a, this amazingly successful role and then they're in some bullshit movie and you're like, what the <laughs> hell are they doing? And it's because they were signed to a contract of you do this and then you right. do three more pictures for us. This smacks of that to me somehow. Yeah. Like they were going to put out X number of Metal Gear games. I don't know. Maybe, you know, I I don't know. But that that is what this reeks of to me. Yeah, I I I buy that. That sounds very feasible to me. 
But on top of that is the fact that in all of the language that Konami gave to their shareholders, forget us, forget our world. Because the the thing that Konami said to the people that give it the money, Konami said to them explicitly, fuck all those people. We don't care about them anymore. We're getting rid of our most expensive talent. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's go make more slot machines that have... Like boobs and contra on them, right? Because we're making the bank with that. We're doing that, and Erotic let's go violence. make yeah. Let's go make some health clubs in China because we're getting the bank from that, and we're gonna forget about all this video game nonsense. We want nothing to do with it anymore. That happened all the way before this even started development. That's that all happened before Metal Gear Five even came out. So it's like if if they're back in a way, why? Why go through the investment? It's just so My, strange. It, no, we know that budgets are pre-approved for certain things. Sure. Maybe this money had already been set aside. Maybe, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's because nobody, like, spiritually, no one is like, I feel in my soul. <laughs> right. That the Metal Gear story needs to continue. Right? It's got to like have those crystal zombies. It's, it's got to yeah, be there. It's not that. So it, it. So then it. Therefore, it has to be the business side of it. It has right. to be dollars and cents, and yeah. and you know, as an earnings report, it's got to be something. Yeah, of that flavor. Somebody that, has to have had a spreadsheet where this math works. Yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. so arcane that I can't see it. And yeah. the thing is, is that I feel like there is a way that Konami could have put this game out and been successful even after all of the the nonsense because the thing is it's like when people saw like konami did not announce that masahiro ito the silent hill 2 art director was working on it people just saw it in the title sequence and went that's the silent hill guy he made all the monsters in this game like if if konami said like look like yes, Kojima. I'm you know I'm, whatever they they're allowed to talk about. Right, right. Kojima's right. there, but like the people who made the Metal Gear that you love is still with Konami because like Yuji Korikado is the producer. He w- has been a programmer on the series since Metal Gear Solid Two and produced Metal Gear Rising, which was a very successful and beloved spinoff of the Metal Gear franchise. Um, that they could come out there and say like, look, like we want to do right by you. We want you to enjoy this thing that you love. But they did none of that. Yeah. They just, they, yeah. they've been retweeting like second rate influencers <laughs> on Twitter. That's their marketing strategy for this game. It's weird. Everything yeah. about the way Konami has operated since the Fan of Pain has just been. It's it's like Nintendo, it, like a reverse Nintendo though, where like <laughs> yeah, it's the Silent Hill version of the Nintendo Opium Caterpillar making all of the decisions <laughs> in the basement, just getting high and being like, and this year we're going to do a Kirby fighting game that's sixty five dollars and includes only two characters. We're gonna make you put cardboard together and you're like that's weird i don't know how you come up with this but sure and then they make like just bucket loads of money and right, that, yeah. but konami's like, the pyramid head version of that who's yeah. just like i'm We're gonna going pull to take- all your skin off <laughs> <laughs> throw it into the church door i i, I don't I, I so i find so there are four video game products that are not mobile uh games targeted at china 
and not interactive slot machines that Konami has made in the past year. Okay. It's this. It's <clears throat> Pro Evolution Soccer, which sure. apparently the most recent one is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Super Bomberman R for Switch, a very unassuming game that was outsourced to a very reliable indie studio in Japan okay. called Hexadrive and littered with just little bits of Konami lore like you you can be a rumble roses bomber man like this is not a game that needs to exist (laughs) and and yet it's not sold to the world it's just quietly on the switch being updated regularly and then the final piece of this puzzle is konami is like still releasing weird japan only unlocalized turbo graphics games on the wii u virtual console yeah. Are you guys aware that this was happening? For the past month, every week, Konami is putting out old Hudson-published Turbo Graphics games, like an RPG that is just in Japanese on the on American... The, the American Virtual Console. That They can't just do that for free. It costs money <laughs> to get these things ESRB rated and then hosted. It's not... So I don't understand this. Okay, <laughs> they're also they're also releasing a port of Zone of the Enders two on PS4. Yeah, that's right. right, which again is like VR of all of the games of Ko- Kojima's sort of ovier that you're going to put. Like Zone of the Enders two is fine. I like it. Yeah, but it's his passion project too. Yeah, it's like his most. So- you know what? Okay, here's I don't know the real reason for any of this. So here's my head cannon. Okay. <laughs> yes. All right. I think I think I already agree with where this is going. <laughs> so it comes time for for Konami and Kojima to part ways, and he has this ironclad motherfucker of a contract, right? right? And they're like, "Look, you need to GTFO." So we're gonna. We are not leaving this room until we come to an agreement. Until we have terms. And he just went down a list of bizarre shit he just was gonna yeah. force them to do. <laughs> like yeah, and you're gonna keep publishing Hudson games on the Wii U. Uh, wait, you mean like no, 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 the Japanese ones, motherfucker, like that. This is, is all- it like an old Kurosawa movie, like. As he says all this, it just, like, flashes to the CEO of Konami. He's just dead silent. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. that he's like, you want my silence, bitches? <laughs> it's going to be Zone of the Enders 2. <sighs> like, or it's them just being like, we hate you so much for talking shit about us. That we're gonna burn it all to the ground. Yeah, we we will burn everything left of what you Meanwhile, made to the ground. His his uh, the team that is uh, left behind has made a game about their boss leaving in a helicopter to go do whatever he's doing while they remain and get sucked into hell. Into hell. Yeah. Into literal hell. Oh wow. Okay. There you go. <laughs> This is all a little on the nose. Yeah, it's a little. <laughs> it's 2018. Everything is on the nose. Yeah, yeah that's true. It's touche. Touche. There's no. There is no more metaphor. It all just like, actually happens. 
I feel like I have to play it now that you've said you've put it into that context, Dave. I think no. I think if you play it, you will find things that you like about it. You there will be moments where you go, "This all right? This is pretty cool. This is there. There's something here." But then, like ninety percent of the time, you'll be like, "I just put up a fence and I'm stabbing zombies in the face through it with the spear. Why am I still doing this?" Because you got to find out what happens to that Sahelanthropus. Is Eli there? Is Eli there? Do you find him? One of the trophies says rescued the boy. No. Is that Eli? Da- oh, Dave, my God. This this sounds like you. Like, I'm, honestly, I, I feel like we're having the Indiana no, let it go he, moment. Here's You're the hanging, thing. I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to Dave above the abyss. <laughs> I can reach it. Re- I can reach As the I ending reach my of Metal Gear Solid Seth MacFarlane Raiden figurine that's hanging precariously on the edge of this cliff. No, like, I'm beyond, like connecting dots i am playing this out of sheer morbid curiosity that's fair and if they connect those dots i will laugh and i will be amused by it but if they don't like fucking whatever it's like none of this matters (laughs) yes so i can i can respect playing something out of morbid curiosity i really can yeah yeah i i'm i'm always on board for seeing a disaster uh, I played the Order 1886 yeah. after every <laughs> single person yeah. said, don't do it, don't do it. I was like, I have to. And then I, too, heard British soldiers in the 19th century saying, frag out. Yeah. Come it's on, just, guys. it's, no, it's, the thing you, is, no. yes, that happened, yep. Susan. That's that's where the Ooh. Order 1886 lost me. Oh, it's, boy. It's their, okay. their, the Arthurian immortal 19th century British knights saying Say frag, frag out, out. Yeah. all right then take a second pass at that script yeah <laughs> this is editors matter call call troy baker just get him <laughs> come on get him a consultant credit and just you guys could do yeah. better than this you can yeah. do better yeah um dave all i i said it earlier that this sounds like dlc this yeah. sounds like something that would have had it been released as part of the package. Like like you have Phantom Pain, Metal Gear Online, and then Survive. And Survive. And it's, oh, it's a whole other mode released, you know, six months to a year after launch and extends the life of the product and extends the life of the story. I feel like, I, I feel like people would be more generous to it. Yeah. Um, it's... Not based on what you've described, though, a, what you would call like a good offshoot to the main story. It sounds kind of flummoxing to sit there and see the Sahelanthropus uh, and save the boy and all of these things, implying a connection to the main game. It sounds like that's frustrating more than it is anything else. All of this is very well suited to something our own Susan Arndt wants to talk about this week. Oh, oh. Which is... Yes. Side quests. Side quests! Yes. Side quests and side stories and what makes them actually worthwhile. Survive is not a good model for a game or a side quest. What is a good side quest, Susan? So this came up because uh, I was playing Xenoblade Chronicles this weekend because apparently that's what I do for the rest of my life now. Mm -hmm. It's my career. Welcome to anime, Susan. But it's it's actually good. (laughs) Um, and uh, there are many side quests in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. 
You can ignore virtually all of them, if not actually all of them. Uh, and they're there to, as, as side quests usually are, to either uh, inform your knowledge of this world that, uh, that you're in or, and or to build up gold and stats. Uh, you get experience points, you get the SP, which you <laughs> boost other things with, whatever. Um, and, uh, and it also uh, helps level up your blades, which are like your Pokemon, like your personas. Cool. I was, and and, and uh, they're largely fine. Some of them are, are, are quite fun. Uh, some of them are really very simple. But I did one this weekend that was literally, you get it from the quest giver, you got to run to a spot and talk to a person, run back to the quest giver, who then says, oh, but also you run to a different spot, to a different thing and walk back. Yep. That's it. Ping pong, ping pong, ping pong. And I was like, this is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> this is complete shit. What I am doing right this second. So, but it really got me thinking because it's very, it's very easy to say, ah, oh, the side quests suck, but it's, it's very difficult with a side quest because it has to be something that you can skip. You, you need to be able to finish the game without ever going anywhere near it mm-hmm. because not everybody feels like doing the side quests. Uh, depending on what it is, you might not even know the side quest is there. Like mm-hmm. in this game, uh, you only get certain side quests if you have the correct blade and the you get the blades by opening loot boxes, basically. Uh, so that's dumb luck, whether you have this blade or not. Uh, you know, and it, it, so it has to be completely disposable and yet also feel worthy of the player's time. Mm. It needs to not, uh, the, the, the main story can't be dependent on it, but it, it needs to not be so completely divorced from what you're doing that you're like, why, why the fuck am I helping you build this chair? I don't understand what is going on. <laughs> so that's why I wanted to talk about it. Like, like what makes a good side quest like, from my perspective, what makes a good side quest is, like, I want there to, I want to feel like there, this was worth my while. Right. I want, I want to feel like there was a point to this, and I want it to be more involved than walking back and forth between places. So I want to throw this out there to both of you and see if we can use this as a ground rule for the mm. entire discussion. The Witcher 3 doesn't count. Nope. Let's just take The Witcher 3 and act like it doesn't exist for the purposes of this entire conversation. Because if you hold any other adventure, action, or role-playing game against the standard set by Witcher 3, then you're all failures. That's all absolutely of you true. forever. You're all garbage. Because what CD Projekt Red did with The Witcher was make even the recycled parts of side quests the things that you do dozens and dozens of times fight bandits find a note pointing to a hidden treasure every single one is laced with enough rich detail that it makes feeling like going through those xenoblade motions of talk to the person go 10 feet away talk to the person go another 10 feet away back the end feel like you just met the love of your life and their best friend and had an unforgettable adventure. Like it's yeah. just so, so fuck all that. Yeah. 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 
Because 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 otherwise this discussion is do what The Witcher Three did. The just end. do that. The yeah, end. Just do yeah. that. Just CD Projekt writers. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Get a, get an army of the best writers and then make that other thing. Uh, so I, okay, what makes for a good side quest? I'm so excited that we're talking about this in the context of Metal Gear. Because Metal Gear Solid V is not technically a role-playing game, and it's not technically an open-world sandbox game either. Mm -hmm. It's its own weird beast out in the world. And it approaches side quests in in, in a wonderfully fulfilling way that you have one of two options for a side quest. You can either make it narratively rich for the player, where mm. they're informing character, informing the world, or informing some part of the, the experience of playing this game that changes your mind or the color of everything, right? Mm. You know, um, you look at Persona 5. Persona 5 is a perfect example. Every single one of the side quests are, you know, you've got to help these people who were wronged. And then it adds to the spirit of your whole team. They grow mm-hmm. as characters as, in stats, but it also grows your affection for them and your knowledge of their role as you know justice givers in the world. The other approach is to make sure that what you do in the game is so mechanically satisfying mm-hmm. and dense that just the opportunity to do more of it feels delightful. Mm. So I, when you brought this up, I immediately thought about in Metal Gear Solid Five. one of the optional things you can do is there are 10 soldiers who are just lost out in the world. And they're, they're parts of your old crew, but nobody knows what happens to them. And, and you, it's up to you to go find them. And there are rumors about their disappearance. And at first... It's just going out into the world, finding the intelligence on them, and then going to the spot where they were you know, rumored to be. Mm-hmm. And then you capture them, and they're part of your party, and you get a more advanced sort of leader-class soldier to have in your crew. By the time you get to the tenth one, though, every single interaction with them is super weird. Like, you'll meet one that just is on amphetamines and he can't stop running around the desert and he's so fast that if you try to tackle him, he'll knock you over and practically knock you out. So you're just, like, rolling around on the ground incapable of going after him. And other ones uh, are are equipped with some kind of experimental camouflage so they're all but invisible. Mm -hmm. So you have to see them by, you know, the little puffs of dust out in the distance. And you're doing this stuff over and over again. And the side quest is both narratively rich. You're you're getting this little piece of history of these guys that were separated from your unit and they're lost and they don't remember who they are and you're bringing them back in. But it is also allowing you to over and over and over again get back into the meat of what it's like to just play this game. Mm-hmm. And all ten of them say, you know how to play this. You can probably complete this mission if you do it the normal way, if you just brute force this. But all 10 of them are going to make you think about the stuff that you do over and over and over and over again, just a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And that, if you don't have some of that, if it if it's not making it interesting on top of the stuff that you're doing all the time, if it's not informing the character then I don't think that like the rapport reward aspect of you got the gold, you yeah. got the experience points is enough. Yeah. It's the thing is, it, and I, I have to recognize that you're going for balance 
in mm-hmm. something like like a Xenoblade or or a Persona or pick any JRPG, which sure. is which is huge, because there will pe- there will be people who do all of them. Mm-hmm. There will be people who do maybe one or two, right? And you have to make it work for both of those things. One of the the things I really like in Xenoblade is you will get quests that seem very simple at the beginning and then you start doing them and you realize oh wow i gotta if i to open this door i need to go find a treasure there's a rumor of it in this other country and they they sort of weave in and out of each other that's cool to me that is very satisfying that is a reward to you as the player for investing the time and effort to untangle all these threads you get this neat interconnected mystery whatever kind of kind of dealio but not everybody's gonna like doing that they might like just give me the simple thing so i can get some gold so i can buy this piece of armor that's all i want right (laughs) so i so i recognize that there has to be a a balance there but then you get something like in oblivion the motherfucking nern root quest (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the Nern Root. And I I want... Because I, that's one of my favorite games of all time. There, It's so wonderfully rich. There's so much to do. Who is just wandering around listening for that little goddamn buzz the Nern Root makes? Yeah. <laughs> so what, what we... Okay, so what is the... What is this quest? You've got to find, like, what... Tw- and Nern Root is, is a weed. So it's yeah, just it's, little, it's, it's just, it's just in, a thing in the ground, like yep. otherwise it, inconspicuous. Here, yep. Here's what here's it how it looks different from the dozens and dozens of other herbs that you can collect. It shines a little bit blue, but not so <laughs> obvious that like you can see it in the distance. Oh yeah, like, no, you got to be on top of it. You got to oh, be on God. top of it, and it just it makes a noise. That's how you. It know. does. Yes, but like a little. It's just like. <laughs> Yeah, so like if you're like okay, so imagine you, you know, five foot whatever, you're standing in your yard and you hear a little <laughs> you know somewhere within maybe a five foot radius, there's a weed mm-hmm. that you need. <laughs> Welcome to the Nerd Root Quest. Oh boy. And like I know I, I know people who have completed it. You have to find twenty of them, I think. If memory serves, you have to find twenty. Yeah. But the thing is, I think there are only 20. Oh, God. And that game's yeah. huge. It's fucking enormous. Yeah. So I'm, I'm probably wrong with There's probably more than 20. But you st- you don't realize what bullshit it is when you start it. Yeah. Like, oh, great. I'm, I'm an alchemist. Let me go do the nerd root quest. And then you're into it. And you're like, oh, my God. Now and my the- choice. I'm going to have this thing in my diary forever because I'm never going to clear this quest. And the thing is, is Xenoblade is an example where, uh, and I know that some people really like that side quest in Xenoblade. I would say every other side quest you take is basically a nerd root quest where it's somebody saying, Oh, I want to make my grandmother's pie. Will you get me these Mm -hmm. five logs and these five flowers? And that's what I need. But those five flowers and five uh, things are rare drops that are randomly activated. Uh, So make sure that you have a blade with a a high botany skill and make sure that you're constantly doing salvage points. And like there's not even the tangible reward of experience and gold and that junk. It doesn't 
it's not enough. No. Like, it's not. Those, it, those quests are only acceptable, in my opinion. If you are that player, hello, Mitch is me, who just does that. Like, I just put shit in my pockets constantly because right. I know someone's going to want it. Right. Someone's yeah. going to want tw- 10 of this fucking fish. So, but it's so, it's, <laughs> even when you are that person, though, the worst is you'll you'll get that quest that says, well, you need 10 of them. And then you'll look at your, in, your inventory and realize that you have eight. Yep. And then you're just haunted yep. for, for a dozen hours <laughs> trying to find the one spot where you found them before. Yeah, and two yep. hours later, you find it, and like the the enemies just aren't dropping them for whatever reason. Yep. For whatever reason. Um, I, am li- I am living that right now. I need one more goddamn piece of salt. Yeah. One. One. I roll up to this chick, and she's like, I need... Three of these, seven of these, nine of these. I have the seven. I have the nine. I only got two goddamn pieces of salt. Uh, I have been everywhere. I don't know where I picked it up because I just pick shit up and put it in my pockets. No idea where it came from. The The game does not give you any hints. So I'm, I'm just wandering through mountains, like kicking rocks. Like, yeah. do you have salt? <laughs> is there salt here? Anybody? The, the worst is in, in Xenoblade 2... There's no indication as to what kind of quest you can get. Like one of the one of the earliest side quests you can find, I love because it's it's in the first big town you ever go to in the Gormot province. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> did I just want to say Gormot out loud? Yes, yes, you did. Uh, <laughs> but in the Gormot pro- province, you can meet a a blade who just looks like Cher in the Believe video. It's just she's got. Quests. <laughs> she, she gives you the soul quest, and at least, at least there's a story with her, right? At yes. least there's something interesting. Like it turns out that she's a blade of a guy who, in his younger years, used to be a warrior, but now he's just a retiree, and he's constantly sneaking sweets. And you, you just have some back and forth, and you get to know yeah. these two. After you get the salt, Susan, that. That side quest goes to an even more interesting place. Do you mind if I give you like a little bit no, of a spoiler? Go for it. Yeah. So once you give her the ingredients for this thing, the next phase of that side quest is they wish that they still had this this awesome treasure that they had, and it's a pair of bracers, this armor for their wrists, mm. mm-hmm. and he is convinced that they buried it in one spot, and she says no. You're remembering that wrong. Aww. We buried it here. And then when you go out, you find out that they're both right. There's one buried treasure oh, chest that's in an interesting place with one bracer and it's at the other. And it's just like, it's this evolving thing. That's great. Yeah. But but then there'll be other times where you run into a guy and he's like, oh man, my kid's not nearby. He went out to go pick potatoes. Will you go find him? <laughs> and then you go and you find him and he's like, oh, my dad needs these potatoes. Can you get me 20 potatoes? And then you get uh-huh. 20 potatoes. You get the thing, the kid's gone again, and then he's like, ah, I needed firewood too. You get him the wood, and then your reward is like 10 gold and a slap across the face. (laughs) 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 Well, I I will say, uh, a a series that does this sort of thing really, they're like the masters of taking these sort of like bullshit fetch quests and just like, go here, talk to a person, go here, talk to the Yakuza series. 
Uh, yeah. They, because it's all about context, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. there's, I know we talked about this um, on an earlier episode. I'm pretty sure we did. Uh, there's a quest where you meet a little dude who's waiting in line for a video game. He's yes. waiting for Dragon yeah, yeah, yeah. Quest. And, like, that quest is literally talk to a dude, beat someone up, walk a couple of feet, talk to another dude, beat them up, walk around the corner, talk to a dude, beat them up. On paper, that sounds boring as shit. That just that sounds like what you did in Xenoblade, where it's just like, I'm going to go talk to a person, go over here, and they'll give me my reward. But the way that the like the characters and the writing and the the ridiculous nature of that side quest all coalesce into a story, a little bite-sized little story that you totally forget that all you did was walk around a corner, talk to a person, and beat them up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like Yakuza is full of uh, moments like that. Like uh, I'm playing through uh, Yakuza Four right now because apparently it's like the one game in the series I didn't finish. Um, so yeah, so I'm 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 working on that. And there's a character Akiyama, who uh, he's a loan shark. His backstory is that he was a really successful investment banker. Uh, his company uh, super corrupt. They fired him. Uh, and he ended up homeless. And uh, the events of, was it Yakuza 3 when the roof of the Millennium Tower blows up and money goes everywhere? Um, Dude, that's, that's all the that? Yakuza games. That's yeah, the that's end all, of Yakuza uh, 1, that's the end of 2, <laughs> that's the all end of, of 3. So he, ends up, he ends up with a bunch of money from, from this explosion. And he's like, look, I'm going to get my life back on the right track. He invests in stuff. He ends up successful. And his way of paying it forward is he creates this company that gives interest-free loans to people as long as they can pass a test. So someone comes in, they're like, I want to start a business. It's like, okay, well, um, what I want you to do is I want you to get five business cards from five successful CEOs. If you can do that to me, you can prove to me that you deserve this money and I trust you. I will give you the money and you just pay it back whenever you can, interest-free. I trust you. And so... There's one of those stories that forms the main sort of crux of his chapter of Yakuza 4's narrative, but many of the side stories for that character are him seeing clients and talking to them and then put it, like having them do these tests and then following up on them. And like a lot of them are literally just going to a location to see how they did. But the act of doing that and learning more about him as a character mm-hmm. and him interacting with these people makes even just walking down the street to go out of your way uh, from the the sort of the critical path worth it. And I think that it, like that's a lesson that like something like Xenoblade can learn. Just taking even mundane delivery quests and making them special just by mm-hmm. getting you a little bit more invested in the characters. And I mean, for for me, I would rat like thin that shit out, yes. right? Yes. Like, oh, there's yes. there's so much. In, and, and again, I recognize that you need simple things that aren't like that only take a few minutes because not every player is going to invest forty minutes in a side quest. I totally understand that, but you can make a simple thing interesting. Yeah, and you can you, know, you can make it funny. You can make it you know you can explore a different game mechanic. You can there are ways to do that that are better than just I'm going to walk over here and you're going to say you're going to you're going to say oh I twisted my ankle go find me ten potatoes right you know and I, I just I, wish I I just wish 
developers felt more confident in that it's like it's okay if you don't have a thousand things to do really yeah. it is and that's you get into that sticky territory where you know again there is a spreadsheet and a and a big wonderful colorful google spre- uh google slides outline mm. of fucking graphs that show you that like well our focus testing says that uh, our primary millennial audience says that uh, value is going to be perceived in a quantity of quests and andrew house nods and he's like that is a compelling argument we will add them we will add the most social side quests let me tell no, you about uh, they, somo they <laughs> that that I think that it is wrong to assume that your audience is so fucking obsessed with value for their purchase that they're going to say like, oh, well, if there aren't 100 side quests, yeah. then I'm yeah. not going to do this. If if you're, if the data tells us on Steam, on PSN, on Xbox Live, that... You know, I don't think it's as as low a percentage as we used to see, but if less than half of your audience are finishing your game at yeah. all, yeah, then make I, like I and I hate to say it, like it will make development cheaper. It will lower <laughs> that's your not goddamn. A, that's not cost. a bad thing to say. If you it, make development cheaper, right, then you it, make a bigger profit, it, and. There, uh, you know, I, I feel like the th- we're constantly running into, uh, in the world of video games, we're constantly running into people who act like there's some kind of grand conflict between business interest and yeah. creative yeah. ambition. Yeah. And if you don't realize that these two things are in a symbiotic relationship, yes, they're in conflict in certain times. Hello, Teddy Shelob. Uh <laughs> But in general, the people who want to make money on these things also genuinely want to make something that enriches your life for the most part. And, you know... Yeah, no. The people making these things want to make things that enrich you. The people who employ those people could give a shit. They just want to make money. They just want to make money. They just want to make money. Those two things do not have to be at odds. But oftentimes, I I feel like the the people on that other side, the people who are employing them, are saying, well, the data shows us, the data shows us, the data shows us. And guess what? Data fucking can't show you everything. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 doesn't need as many side quests as it has. No, it, it doesn't, doesn't. It doesn't make it richer. And honestly, Yakuza doesn't need all the side quests that it has, but it's wonderful that, that they're there because they every last one of them informs character. It informs your protagonist. It informs the city it takes place in. There, There is a richness there. If you can guarantee that that richness is there, awesome. That's going to make a stronger product. And, and we can see from the success of Yakuza over the past couple of years, the the sort of life that Yakuza Zero took on in the fan world is nugget, it, nugget, nugget, the chi- the chi- nugget the for life. That wouldn't be there if they weren't investing in those in those side quests. And but also, I mean, it, you, you look at something like Yakuza, you look at something like Persona. People don't talk about the main story. They don't talk about the main story. No, I mean, so it's it's it is these side quests, it is these side things that endear the games to people, 
right. and that make them like when they're hitting F5, like, is the game out yet? Is the game out yet? Oh my God, just give me the game. Yeah. Put it in my veins. I want to run a cat cafe in Yakuza 6. Like, like plot, I'll get to that whenever. Exactly. But I, I'm sorry, though. Nobody in history has ever called their friend at 2 a.m. and be like, yo, dog, I just got the 68th sea shanty in Assassin's Creed. The 68th sea shanty. Yeah. I'm so close to getting the 69th of 3,000. Yeah. I I swore to myself I was going to get through this whole conversation with you two without taking a dig at Breath of the Wild. I swore. (laughs) I swore I was going to do it. Here we are. But here we are, and all anyone ever talks about with Breath of the Wild is the incidental stuff that they did in the world. The systems. They talk about the interesting ways that they manipulated the physics. Not fucking one of them talks about, man, I was so excited when I completed shrine number 102. Man, it really felt so different than the 101s before it. If you don't want to dunk on on Breath of the Wild, we can go back to Twilight Princess, which... I would like you to collect all of the bugs, both the male and the female of the species, and then also the gold variety. But the problem is that shit's part of the main story. It's not even side quests in Twilight Princess. All right. Well, now we're having a collecting conversation. Yeah, that's that's uh, poor, poor, confused Twilight Princess. (laughs) Poor. That that game is. It's. It's fine. It's, but Twilight, I, like Twilight Princess is a perfect <laughs> example of a game where I think maybe there are like five side quests total in the entire game, and they are pretty nonsensical. And you can skip them entirely, and at least like the bug thing. When you meet the bug girl, and she says, go Noah's Ark this bug collection for me, and get me the lady and the dude... It's it's Nern rooting it. They're Nern rooting it. Yeah. But at least you you get like at least there's some kind of hook there. Like there is the weird bug girl, and you're like, why are you? She, God, all she does is that anime stuff that you were talking about, Susan. <laughs> yeah. This is why I can't play so many goddamn Zelda games because they're. <laughs> The fairies. Okay. Yeah. So this is why. Okay. The, the two Zelda N64 games. Yeah. Oh, God. The fairy yeah. scream. First of all, they're all pointy. Because yep. that's, you know, because the, the polygons the of the N64. Of the it was a fashion of the time. And then they're. Fuck. Click off. Can't. Can't do it. Can't. I will. I will say at least in Wind Waker, though. There's that fish, the anime fish who fills in your map for you, and when yeah. he shows up, he's just like, "Hey!" Yeah. <laughs> hey! Wind Waker had some pretty good voices. I like That's that true. guy. I like yeah. the I like the shop owner in Wind Waker too. Thank I love you. I love him. <laughs> that I, guy. I, and the uh, the the battleship minigame guy who shouts yes. for sploosh. Sploosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, and, I mean, Tangle is forever, of course. Yeah, Tangle, well, you know, Kuro Limpa. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this, this, this dovetails nicely into our, our, our final subject today, uh, because another characteristic of side quests is there's always the escalation. 
You get the ones at the beginning, which are super simple. And then you get to the ones that you, you look at the requirements to complete them and you say, fuck you. I'm yeah. not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not collecting 500,000 ants yeah. in your world, Skyrim. I'm not, I'm not going to do the most galling one that I can ever think of is in Final Fantasy X-2, there's this field of, like, lightning rods. Giant person-sized oh, lightning rods. fuck. Yeah. And in order to get the true ending of the game, where Yuna is, you know, gets to be with her underwater soccer player once again, you have to complete every side quest. And this one is you have to go up to these lightning rods and complete a rhythm game that doesn't work. Imagine if you had Parappa the Rapper, but every single time you pressed a button, the game couldn't tell you did it. And if you don't press the buttons completely, lightning hits you, and you gotta start the whole thing over again. Oh, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. So this yeah, is no, this is no. this is this is side quest escalation. And it always makes me makes me think about why do you subject yourself to absurd things? in a game because i did that side quest of course i did 100 final fantasy 10 2 i did want to see yuna a character i kind of like get back <laughs> together with titus a character who i fucking loathe who is just a <laughs> loathsome terribly written character uh, my old man <laughs> uh, <laughs> my old man this popped back in my head because uh, I, I was actually texting Dave as I did this this past week. I completed Celeste, a game mm. I mentioned in our last episode, which is a brilliant, brilliant, lovely platformer uh, by Matt Thorson, the guy that created Towerfall. And this game is it, it is a solo it, it play like it is a single player Towerfall. That is the way to describe this game. You are going over these these sort of airy platforming rooms you are a young woman who is trying to climb a mountain to conquer her depression she's decided this is what i'm going to do it's my personal goal i am going to defeat my my personal demons which do become literal on this mountain because she runs into a mirror and sees herself in the mirror and her depression comes out of the mirror as a physical person. We've and all been was, there. We've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. We all have <laughs> taken Robitussin for for recreational purposes, right? Uh, <laughs> and you go through this game and it is it is a very uh literal and metaphorical ascent you go up this mountain and the, the platforming gets way harder at first it's jump over these pits then jump over these pits and spikes then jump and dash and wall climb over these pits and spikes and then learn how to fly and then learn how to do these special timing maneuvers off specific platforms that launch you across the screen it gets harder and harder and harder and harder the last two worlds of this game and not not counting any of the optional side quests in this game, there are, there are these bonus rooms where you can go and collect a strawberry. And the game explicitly says, you will not get anything for collecting all of these strawberries other than the satisfaction of the fact that you were able to pull it off. And then even further, you can find old cassette tapes that'll unlock you know, special worlds with a special gem at the end of it that'll unlock an even further worlds. 
Forget all that shit because it's so hard that I my hands are cramping just thinking about it. The final two levels of the main campaign are, I, I think, some of the hardest video game stuff I've ever personally played. I know somebody listening right now is like, no, bro, it's super Get easy. Get good, dude. Go to hell. <laughs> Get good, dude. Get good, bro. Uh, it's so hard. It was so hard. And I was just sitting there on Thursday night just constantly cursing the screen uh, because Celeste gets one thing really, really right, which is you die, you start. You die, you start. Nice. The turnaround nice. is instantaneous and it's just so compulsive, but not in a way that's bad. You just sit there and you're like, fuck, I did it wrong. This time, this time, this time. And by, I, <laughs> I played it uh, with the Joy-Cons independent of each other. So like on TV, uh, but the two halves of the Switch controller, like just yeah. in a hand, they weren't connected. So I have those little things and like my my hands are like in a claw position where my index finger is constantly holding one of the triggers because that's how you hold on to a wall when you land on it. And it was just like I was crippled at the end of the night. And yet I kept doing it. And I kept thinking to myself, why am I still doing this? Why am I persevering through this when it's so frustrating and the reward is only just to say I did it? And the answer in this case was I love platformers so goddamn much that I like that when a platformer is this good, I'm willing to throw myself up against the wall of it. Whereas completing a side quest in something like Skyrim for the Nern route, I'm going to fucking bail or yep. Dark Souls in that moment when you get 15 hours into a Dark Souls game where it's like, well, you better learn how to really parry well. I'm like, no. Yeah, <laughs> doing any of that shit. <laughs> so uh, we we the three of us have talked about difficult games in the past. It's a topic that we've returned to a couple of times, and I feel like all three of us only have a certain threshold mm -hmm. for this sort of thing. It's got the juice has to be worth the squeeze. So Susan, for you, what when you run into something that really takes putting in the time, something like Long Dark, where you can't mm -hmm. just like you can't just endure. You gotta get good. What is it about a difficult game that actually draws you in? For me, it's I need to. It needs to be clear by playing the game that the thing you are trying to achieve is doable if you apply your brain to it, mm. right? Like if you can formulate the right strategy, if you can figure out that you do this and then this and then that, and you will succeed. That for me, I will throw myself against that all day. Mm. If, it's, if, it's, if it's too obtuse to figure out what you need to do, it's just like, haha, you failed, die, retry, die, retry and you're not gaining any insight or information, that's not fun to me. Yeah. That's, that's to me, that's Dark Souls territory. That's, fuck off. Um, this isn't, you know, if, if you lose too much, uh, if you lose too much progress or, yeah. or, or, or whatever, or your stuff, God forbid you lose your stuff. You lose your stuff, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Not doing any of that. No purpose of the wild. season. Breath of the Wild, everything you do is just losing your stuff. Don't take, don't take my shit, okay? <laughs> These are my shinies, and I need them. Uh, so yeah, so something like Long Dark, um, yeah, wolves are gonna fuck your shit up. Like, right. regularly. And then once you figure out what's up with the wolves, you're gonna encounter a bear, and the bear is gonna fuck you up 
so it's about that. All right. What do, what, what have I learned from these encounters? What have I learned about the tools that are at my disposal? What have I learned about the environment that I'm in? Mm. How can I put all of those things together to succeed? That to me is what I got to do. And you can even apply that to like Mario. Sure. Um, like Mario Odyssey. There will be like, okay, I can see a thing up there I want to get to. Okay. What have I learned about the moves I can make? What have I learned about my environment? And yeah, you do still have to have a certain amount of uh, twitchy proficiency. You know, you need to be able to, to hit the, the jumps with the correct timing at all. But it's much less about that than it used to be, than it is learn the skill, apply the skill. Sure. And recognize the opportunity. Yeah. For the skill. That's Celeste. That is Celeste to a, to a T. Because you'll enter a room in Celeste and you'll be on this just teeny little platform on the left side of the screen and then you will just see this ocean of life-threatening hazards that are beautifully wrought in the most <laughs> elegant animation in the world. But you, you will look at it and say, I literally don't know how I'm going to get over that. I And it, it, one of the most satisfying parts of it is you're not going to be able to decode how to make those jumps until you just try, until you just give it a shot. So you can't just intellectualize your way through it. It's that perfect confluence of the things that make a video game good. Like, I need to touch this fake world with my brain and my hands, and then I'll be able to say this part, then this part, then this part, and now I've got to execute. Now I've got yeah. to do it. Yeah. I mean, by contrast... That th <laughs> it's why I don't ever play point-and-click adventure games without a fac. And I, oh, I know I know yeah. somebody's sitting there at home being like, "Why would <laughs> you do that? Good, why good, would bro. you?" Do I, I, I'm not I'm not fucking here to figure out how to power a flashlight with a mop, asshole. I'm here to like read a good book that has pretty pictures that I control at the same time. See, for for me, I get that. But what I really like the the games where it makes sense. Like the, there there's one game, uh, right. one of my favorite one of my favorite games ever. You need to figure out how you need to light something on the other side of a lake. You have to swim across the lake. When you swim, your one match gets wet. You have to figure out a way, and everything makes perfect sense. So if you apply real world knowledge to it, you figure out that puzzle. And it's one of my absolute favorite moments in gaming. And I what felt game like, is that? Oh my god, it's an old Infocom game. Uh, is, it is it text parser or is it actually it is. point and click? It is, yes. it's text, yeah. See, it's deadline. That's, that's different. That's different because that is like logical. Whereas, but there like, are I, adventure games that are also logical. They're sure. just few and far between. Sure. Yeah, like Quest for Glory. I love like the old like Quest for Glory 2 and thinking how do I actually get through you know, a conflict honorably. That mm. is like applying logic. You have to interpret the story. That's different than say, you know, when I when I brought that up, I was immediately thinking of Grim Fandango, and yeah. I love Grim Fandango, but, but I'm it's not obtuse. Gonna, it's it's meaninglessly obtuse too. Yeah, the, yeah. Pu the puzzles yeah. suck. Yeah, the puzzles suck, and like the world is amazing. The characters are amazing. The puzzles are bad. Just bad. All right, Dave. Like, what is? Why do you get good? What, what is what drives you to get good? Well, like it, it's a lot of uh, what we already talked about. It's the, the 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 tangibility, the feeling of tangibility. The the controls uh, have to be. They can't just be good. 
They have to be really good. They have to mm-hmm. be like 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 uh, like Celeste or or Super Meat Boy, where it's just like what you're doing has to be an extension of your brain and it has to respond and you have to get that tactile sensation. Like I was, as you guys were talking, I was thinking about Thumper and how Mm. every action in that game has a visual and audio response. And if you Mm. pull stuff off, right, it goes in time with the music and it's rad as hell. Like it just, it feels good to do something well in that game, which then drives me to want to get good at it. Where it's like, I get that people have that sense of uh, satisfaction from like we talked about Dark Souls or Bloodborne, and I forced myself to finish a Bloodborne, finish Bloodborne because I wanted to, I wanted that notch on my belt. I wanted to be like, yep, I did it. That's mine. But I, I did not derive satisfaction beyond that whereas something like thumper i was like no i've like i want to be in this zone and i want to live in it the other thing for me is that the these very difficult games have to they need to telegraph they need to foreshadow just enough yeah what's around the corner Celeste mm. is actually uh, really good at this because you're climbing in a mountain. You're feeling yeah, a sense right. of progress, right. and it's like constantly, it's like, oh, here's a new idea, and then here's a level, and now we're going to tweak that. We're going to tweak it again. Now here's another new little idea. And then you keep going, oh, here's a little nugget of story. So, like, mm. there's always just, like, some little thing. And I think, like, the last level of Celeste is really good at that because you're climbing the last leg of this mountain, and there are these little, like, meter markers as you're yeah. going up. It's so good. And it's, like, it's, so it's good. the hardest part of the game by far because yeah. it's just, it's constant death. It's constant, like, gaps and spikes and everything. And you're just like, all I got to do is get to that next little marker. And then you do yeah. it. You're like, okay. And, like, you actually feel like you're climbing. You're overcoming something. And, like, Thumper's the same way. It's, like, it's constantly introducing new little ideas to the point where, by the end of it, you were just executing everything on, like, this instinctual, this lizard brain level. Um and as you get further in the game, it's getting weirder and weirder and more, even more surreal until the point at the very end where you're basically facing some weird polygonal version of like infinity where time is slowing down that you have to deal with. <laughs> this whole new thing. It's it's weird, but like it's like it is, the reward is the next challenge. Hmm. Hmm. And I the think game- that... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. I'm just saying, like that. That like the the game needs to be good enough at like sh- showing you little tastes of what's around the corner. But yeah, go ahead. The, for me, the the game that is is my gold standard of this is Super Mario World. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's so beautifully designed. I mean, the levels are just a masterclass in design. The controls are perfect, and then there are all these secrets. Mm. You, you can ignore them if you want to, but if you want to, like, comb through and find the secret exit to the levels that have you know, that, that flash red, so you find both. The key. And the, Watching the key go into the keyhole and then the keyhole so gets big. Ooh. Oh, baby, that is, right? that is my and, drug and of choice. Activating the yellow switch palace or or what have you, and and, don't, and like once you connect the roads on the star road, forget Ooh. it, Ooh. forget it. It's it's so hard to do, 
like putting in, like if you go back and you look at all the work you have to put into that, it's ridiculous. But it's so satisfying. And then that's, that's a game that's versatile in how it lets you approach it too. Because there is, there's, you, you know that when you're in that red world, there's only two exits and you got it. You got to find both of them. But, you know, in some of the hardest levels, I love that it says to you, like, look, maybe you don't have the dexterity to get past this one so you mm-hmm. can fly through it. We'll give you yep. a feather at the beginning and we'll let you fly through it. But then you'll get to the next one. And uh, <clears throat> when you're in the Lost Woods and it's constantly sort of throw like the alternate exits throw you down dead ends. Yeah. And you can't progress until you find the right one. I love that if you try to fly through those stages, there's the one that's filled with bubbles and little enemies in the bubbles. And it's like, yep. you can't do that this time. You can't, you can't just fly your way through this. So rethink in this moment how you're going to do it. And it tries to gently nudge you towards that achievement. Fucking and then, brilliant. and then you find the different colored Yoshis. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, Blue Yoshi, I know where we're going, friend. <laughs> Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. You're just going to stay with me for the rest yeah. of the game. <laughs> yeah. And the way that the game also introduces secrets, uh, like a f- levels after there are, they've already been implemented, but you just don't know them yet. Like the, the key... Uh-huh. Like the first, like the, there is a level I believe in like uh, the third world or something. I forget where it is exactly, but it specifically shows you the keyhole, and you're like, "Oh, <laughs> wait, that's there." And then you start to realize, like, "Oh, well, maybe if I go back to some of these other levels," uh-huh. and then you realize that, "Oh, nope, there's a key here too. We just didn't tell you about it yet." So good, so good. Now I want to play it. Oh yeah. my god. Oh man, I I just I uh, now now I'm thinking about how I want to punch Breath of the Wild directly in its stupid face. No. Is there a, there is not currently okay other than a Super Nintendo? How can you play Super Mario World right now? You can so, you can play it on your 3DS if you have a uh, new 3DS. I uh, Wii U. Yeah, or you can play it on your Wii U. Your SNES Classic. Your yeah. SNES, I don't have that SNES Classic. You can't. Even if you have a Wii, if you didn't already download it on your Wii, you can no longer get it because you can't buy things on that Wii nope. anymore. That's nope. That's gone. Mm. Uh, man. Does it can... have to be a new 3DS? It yes. has to be a new 3DS. Mother yep. fucker. Okay. Yeah. It, Welcome it, to uh, hell. Yeah. Oh, there's the Game Boy Advance version. Uh, if oh, you no, have that, a G- wait. There's something wrong with it, though, isn't there? Yes, yeah, they added voice acting to it. There you go. <laughs> I, know, I know they fucked up Yoshi's Island. Yeah, oh, that Yoshi's Island port's a disaster. Yeah, uh, it's terrible. That's Absolutely terrible. Horrible. Yeah, uh, the Super Mario World, it's its not as bad. You just turn as, the sound down. Yeah, you turn the sound mm. down, but then you don't get to hear the music. But then you, get the, you don't get to hear do 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 Anyway, have you played the Game Boy Advance version, Susan, ever? Just maybe once upon a time or no? Probably once upon a time, yeah. So here here is why I loathe the Game Boy Advance version. Is that it tracks the Yoshi coins in the levels. Yep. Instead of the Yoshi coins being something that's just like, oh, if you want an extra one up, there are five Yoshi coins. coins And you get an extra dude. Now the game tracks if you got them all 
in the levels. Okay. Which drives me out of my mind. Seeing the like, oh, you, you didn't 100% that level. You didn't 100% it. You got to go. Uh, you only got one of those coins and there's the little icon on the level. You only got one of the Yoshi coins. Don't do that. Come gotcha. on. <laughs> Be a pal. No, no you know what you don't do? Did you play um, uh, Yoshi's Woolly? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yoshi's yeah. Woolly World. Yeah, that <clears throat> piece of bullshit. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Finding all the collectibles... It does, yeah, you don't it doesn't get doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, but it's it so... does nothing. <laughs> the original director of the old Yoshi's Island has talked uh-huh. about this before. He's like, yeah, Shigeru Miyamoto said that we probably shouldn't put the score on levels. Uh, <laughs> if, if we didn't want, you know, if we weren't going to give anybody anything special. But I wanted to do it anyway. It's harsh, but I wanted to do it anyway. And that's why it's like that. That's why that's why every Yoshi game is a dickhead. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Because here's the thing. In Yoshi's Island, it got you stuff. Like when right. you 100%... It'll, it'll get you the extra level. It'll get right. you the extra level. Right. Yeah. Second one, nothing. Fuck in Yoshi, So in Yoshi's Woolly World, if you get all the balls of yarn in each yes. level, then you get the extra, extra right. stage. But if you 100% it, yeah. Nothing. You're not, you're not nothing. getting the guard. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> Fuck you, pal. <laughs> what if all the Yoshi games are bad? What if They're we want that? I'm just what throwing it, it out there. You're just no, Yoshi's it out there? Island is brilliant. It's a great game. Sure. It's absolutely world. brilliant. Sure. Oh, my God, Dave. Are you really, really going to die on this are you, hill? Are you actually claiming that Yoshi's Island is a bad game? I did not grow up playing that like I did Super Neither Mario did World, I. so I don't I have I the fun. And every time I've tried to go back into it, like, I don't want to hear Mario whining. Like, okay. I just I don't want to deal right. with it. Sure. That, I, I 100% understand that. I support that. Um, that doesn't make the game bad. <laughs> sure. Have you played, have you played <laughs> Wooly, have you played Wooly World? Uh, briefly. That one was, oh, play, oh, that was okay. Yeah, play, play Wooly World. Play that game. Uh, before your Wii U explodes. That's that's no, a thing don't. that happens to all Wii U's. Don't. I mean, it's adorable. Don't get me wrong. It's super, super cute. But fuck that game. <laughs> Everybody, you got exactly what you paid for uh, in this episode with that statement. Uh, that's... Uh, to, to everybody who is just listening, if you, this is not a podcast you play for, we are delighted that you are listening. Uh, but if you liked what you heard and you think to yourself, yeah, I could use some more of that sometimes, you should get some more of this sometimes, and you will get some more of it every single episode. You'll get some extra uh, intro time and an extra segment at the end of it if you back this podcast at Patreon dot com slash continue podcast we are trying to get to 750 dollars a month and that will make this thing a weekly endeavor we will do it every week instead of every other week there are wonderful human beings who do pay for this to make it happen every other week and dave roberts is going to thank them right now this is a thanks uh shout outs to all of our backers at the ten dollars and above level um, you can find out more information about the different tiers and stuff on our Patreon. Uh, so I'm going to give some shout outs right now. Shout outs to Mirko Arico Torino, John, Nick Grugan, Ryan Brady, Peter, Ryan Mance, 
Denton Brock, Ellie O'Dare, Logan Pauley, Ludwig Kitzman, Stormshot, Double Taco, Gluttony One of Seven, Francisco Areas Guimaraes, Kalen Houston, Axel Olsen Mangholt, Tyler Nilsson, Shane Nilsson, Fossi Sayan, Yaddle, Jacob Christos, Chris Cook, Skip Dippity, Tim Chesson, Jose Bullet Bobom Cordova, Daniel Squire, Tom, Derek Sanskrit, and Damian Michalis. Thank you all so very very much thank you so yes. so much and uh, means, means the world and uh yeah i, I think i, I want to try something here if Ooh. if you go to our itunes page and leave us a review uh i will i i, I got a bunch of spare humble bundle keys kicking around hey, oh, there you go. So, so yeah uh spread the word um i will when i tweet out the new episode retweet that leave us a review Tell people about it. Um, if you do that, I'll throw you into a contest and I'll give you give you a game key. Uh, I'll give away one next week. We'll see how that goes. And uh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so a great idea. Uh, you know, just get a little sweet in the pot. Tell people about <laughs> our stuff. We'll give you free stuff if you do it. Um, but yeah, but like uh, leaving us a review on iTunes helps us uh, with visibility, and also uh, we like hearing the nice feedback that you have, and also the. Maybe the not so nice feedback. Let us know how we're doing. No, 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 no. No, I don't want to hear (laughs) only only the good stuff. Only the sweet corn in our reviews. Everybody, (laughs) I don't remember having corn. Dave, where where can the where can the world find you on the internet? Find me uh, at David Robots on Twitter. Uh, I tweet a lot about games and movies and the stuff that I'm doing over at Genie Online, a website about. Magic and Deception that I write for with Susan. Tight. Susan, yes. where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at Susan Arndt. Uh, I also do a, a weekly column about mobile games for Pocket Gamer, and you can read that every Wednesday. Uh, and you guys can find me at a John Agnello on Twitter, uh, where I get spicy pretty regularly. Uh, you can find me every <laughs> single day. AdventureBeat.com. You can find my writing at the AV Club. Uh, I was really hoping that this podcast, I was going to be able to fi- say you can find my writing in the Atlantic, but they t- they decided against this pitch, which was a bummer. I was talking to the editor. So, guys, next time you're going to be able to find me in the Atlantic because that article is going to be, they're going to love it. Um, oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Are you on board for that, Susan? Oh, I don't. I, 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 have, to I, se- I have to send. I'm you, just here so I don't get fined. I have to send. I have to send you the pitch. So yes, you do. You yes. can see it, and you'll be like, "God, I hate you." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can also follow this podcast on Twitter at ContinuePod, and I think that this weekend I'm finally going to do it. I finally I lost a bet in the name of this podcast, and I think I'm going to stream The Evil Within 1 this weekend. Oh, yes! I keep putting it off, uh, and you can find uh, our, our, find us on Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash ContinuePodcast. So if you want to see that, if you want to see me playing The Evil Within, click follow there. Uh, and oh, and you want to see this because we we hate <laughs> it's this game. Uh, it's a bad video game. It's a bad video game. It's just a bad video game. Uh, otherwise, everybody, that's it, and we will see you in two weeks. Thank you so much for listening. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. 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 Goodbye. Okay, bye. <laughs>